Colossians chapter 1. Uh, we'll begin our scripture today in verse 19, reading through verses 23. Now, you know, the last two weeks we have uh, spoken at length about Paul's desire for this congregation at Colossae, uh, where he's written this letter, uh, for these people to uh, come to a deeper understanding of the Lord. We know that they're dealing with uh, what will become known as, as the Gnostic heresies, but we see the beginnings of this here in this church over there at Colossae. We see the, the things being brought into people's homes over there. Because remember, that's where the church is meeting at. They're meeting in, in people's homes. Uh, there's uh, homes of the brothers and sisters there and the church where they will gather together. And they're having these people that are coming in and bringing in these false teachings uh, that will mainly concern the deity of Jesus Christ. So we should understand and know excuse me, and be able to understand and know that uh, about 100 times out of 100, when someone questions or has questions about the deity of Jesus Christ, more than likely you're dealing with a cult. Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Gnostics, all these, they deal specifically with the deity of Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ is not the son of the living God, the second person of the Godhead, you're dealing with a cult. And you see, this is what the church at Colossae was dealing with. But even more, like we said, they were bringing it into the church, but they were also bringing it into the homes over there. And when we talked about Paul's desire, his prayer for the congregation, how to be a strong, spiritually strong congregation. We talked about that. And then last week we talked about where that strength comes from. None other than what? To Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But I want you to see today this, this scripture, although it may seem pretty benign as far as the words that is contained in it, I want you to understand the concept that we'll read about here today the uh, characteristic of this scripture, the idea behind it, and the beliefs that are entailed within it are probably some of the most profound for the believers in Jesus Christ. For anyone, man, woman, boy, or child, some of the most profound concepts that you will find in scripture are found here in these next few verses. Wow, sounds pretty exciting, doesn't it? So let's get right into it. Let's begin in Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. It says, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated, and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable 
in his sight. If you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. There we go. Like we said, profound in its concept. But what we need to see is that to, what Paul has done is solidify the validity that these previous verses that we were talking about proclaim nothing less than the authority of Jesus Christ over the church. Did you know that there's some questions about that today? Did you know that there's some people uh, that are wondering who's over the church, who's leading the church? Uh, some folks think it's a, a presbytery. Some folks think it's a convention. Uh, some folks think it's a pope. Uh, some folks think it's a pastor. Listen, I guarantee you, if you're in a church that any of those things are the leader of the church, you're in the wrong church. If you're not in a church where Jesus Christ is the head of the church, you're in the wrong church. I don't care what name is out on the front of the church. If Jesus Christ is not the head of the church, get you another church. Because unless Christ is the head of that church, that church is not following the precepts of this written word of the living God. That's pretty profound, I think. But you see, Paul is solidifying this. Paul is bringing this home for those that he's just written to. I'm praying for you guys. I'm praying for your strength. I'm praying for your church. I'm praying for your homes. But know this. And all the prayers that I'm giving you. And all the advice that I'm giving you. You better know this. That if you don't have Jesus Christ as your head, you're going down the wrong path. Paul is straightforward. He is no nonsense in the reasons that he gives why what you should be in that church. Did you know that? Let's look very quickly at this verse by verse. Because, I mean, we don't have to break out much Greek or much, you know, anything else here. It's pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward. Look at verse 19. <coughs> Excuse me. That Paul gives us there. Verse 19 says, For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell. Now, we have to understand that this verse is calling right back to the verses preceding it. You remember those last verses we read last week? Verses 15, 16, 17, 18. Who is the image of the invisible God? Talking of Jesus Christ. The image of the invisible God. The firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Speaking specifically of Jesus Christ. Verse 17, and he is before all things. And by him all things consist or are held together. That's what that word means. And get this, verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. 
Any confusion there? Is I mean, how can anyone get that confused with anything else? It doesn't say anything about any other body or any other person or any other concept, any other characteristic, any other ideal, anything. It says he, Jesus Christ, is the head of the body, the church. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, Get this now, that in all things he might have the preeminence or be first place. We talked about that, ended up with that. And see, where we begin today, Paul picks up and he brings that home even further. For it pleased who? The Father. If you've ever noticed anything, when the Father speaks, he's speaking about the Son. When the son speaks, he's speaking about the father. Amen. <laughs> yeah. And then the Holy Spirit's there to tie everything together. You see, that's the oneness of God. That's the oneness that is there. There, there is no dealing on an individual basis with any person in the Godhead. When you're dealing with one, you're dealing with them all. They're one. You see, that pleasing there, for it pleased the Father that in him, Jesus Christ, should all fullness dwell. This fullness that he spoke of before, this that he might be preeminent or first place in all things. That word all you know what that means in Greek? All. <laughs> yeah. That's one of them universal words. All means all. All. And last time I checked, all means everything. All, y'all. That's all you got to know. For it pleased the Father that in Jesus Christ should all Fullness dwell. Now that word fullness there, <coughs> it has the concept behind it that being completely full. And it, it's also a term that the Greeks used that had to do with uh, the amount of people that were on a ship. The full complement, I guess if you would. The amount of sailors that were on a ship. If a ship had a Full complement, they would use this Greek word there. It was, it was known as that, that the full complement was there. In other words, it was sufficient. It was full. It was ready for use. It was to be used. And you see, this is what the Father is, what pleases the Father is that in Jesus Christ, all the fullness should dwell. Now get this, verse 20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. 
very slowly, very simply, <coughs> understand this. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, that speaks of Jesus Christ, right? That's speaking of Jesus. Having made peace. Peace with who? Peace with God. You got it. Peace with God. That's who the price had to be paid to. The price for sin had to be paid to God because it was him that was transgressed. When Adam sinned, when all of mankind sinned, we have transgressed God. We were created in holiness. We've talked about this before. When something is holy and receives a blemish, it's no longer holy. You don't wipe the blemish off and it goes back to being holy. No, it's no longer holy. It will never be holy again unless it's completely destroyed and remade. You see where we're at in the human condition? So Jesus Christ made peace with God through what? The blood of his cross. The blood of his cross. Get that now. Because there are, there are people even today and have been throughout all of history that will try to tell you that what you do, the person you are, how you behave, things that you will do physically will contribute to whether God accepts you into heaven or not. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. There's only one thing. There's only one thing that will determine your entry into an eternal presence in God, with God. And that is the blood of the cross of his son. That's it. That is it. Well, I've done this. I've done that. I've contributed to this. I've contributed to that. No, no, no. That's all good now. Don't get me wrong. When we become saved through the blood of Jesus Christ, we will begin the work of Jesus Christ. Once we become justified, we'll begin the process of being sanctified. That's right. But you don't start with sanctification and then get justified. You see what I'm saying? You don't do the sanctification part to get the justification part. You get the justification and then you're like, hey, time to get sanctified. Like them old soul songs. I feel sanctified. It's all right to get a little soul in you every now and then. It's what Paul was talking about. Having made peace with God through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. Speaking of Jesus Christ, by him, Jesus Christ, to reconcile all things unto himself. Jesus Christ. By him... I say whether there be things in earth or things in heaven. Now get this, verse 21 and 22. This is one sentence, one thought, both of these verses. I'm not sure why they split these up this way. That's one of the things we have to watch with the King James, uh, with the uh, chapter and verse uh, denominations in there. Because this is, this is one sentence right here. It's not two. Verse 21 and verse 22 is one sentence. 
And this is what it says. And you, this is Paul speaking to the church. And this is also the Holy Spirit speaking to you and I. And you, that were sometime, what, alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now hath he reconciled. He, Jesus Christ, hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. <coughs> Here we go. <clears throat> Here we go. Because this, my friends, this, brothers and sisters, this is all that religion was ever intended to be. Okay? All this pretty stuff that man has come up with through the years, all these pretty ideas that mankind has had, all these little concepts, all these little organizations, all these little ideals, all these little traditions that man has come up with are nothing but rubbish. I'm not trying to be disrespectful or anything like that. But I want you to understand what it means to be a child of the living God. What it means to serve the living God. To be saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. And to be an example of that to a lost and a dying world. Because that's what we're supposed to do, is it not? As the church, we're the body of Christ. We're supposed to be an example to the lost and the dying world. We're supposed to live that through our life. When somebody looks at us, they are to see the image of the living God. When they see the image of the living God, they're going to see the image of Jesus Christ. They're going to see the image of the word of the living God. All that should be reflected in our life. And Paul says specifically, like we said a while ago, why you should be in this church. Why you should be this believer. And you, that were sometime alienated, Ever been alienated before? I'm sure every one of us have been there. Every one of us has been there. It's not fun being alienated, is it? What alienated, being, being alienated, means to be separated off, to be, to, to be different from, to be alien to someone. I don't have nothing to do with you. I don't want to be around you to be alienated. What's Paul saying? You, you human being, you man, woman, boy, girl, you were alienated. You were enemies in your mind by what? Wicked works. Same thing Isaiah was talking about. Our, fight, our righteousness is as filthy rags. We are all sinners. There is none righteous. No, not one. Can't nobody come in here and come up to the front row and say, hey, I'm going to sit here. I'm better than you. I've lived more righteous than you. No, 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 no. We are all, as 
Our, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags, everybody. I don't care how saintly you think somebody is. Care how how good somebody's been in this life. I don't care how much good they've done, how much they've given of themselves. It is all as filthy rags concerning righteousness before God. There is only one thing that will be considered righteousness in His sight. That's what we just talked about: the blood of the cross. Ooh, you see, that's what. Yeah, that's what gets people today. Why do we got to preach about the blood? Why do we got to preach about the cross? That's that's so, ooh, I just don't like that. That's so horrible. That's so repulsive. Why can't we just preach about being good, doing good things, doing good deeds, being good to other people, because all of that will lead you down to a hell prepared for the devil and his angels. That's where that will lead you. Notice what Paul said, you were sometime alienated. You were enemies in your mind by these wicked works. And yet now hath he, Jesus Christ, reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. That brothers and sisters, is something that's worth holding on to. Through the blood of the cross, Jesus Christ has reconciled each and every one of us that have believed in what he has done for us. We believe him, he reconciles us to the Father. How does he do that? In the body of his flesh through death. There you go. There you go. What will some people tell you? Well, you just you just got to be good. You just got to, you know, if you think Jesus was a good person, okay. Uh, but all this, this, you know, death, all this resurrection stuff, I don't, I don't really, I'm not sure about that. Well, you better get sure about it. Amen. You better get sure about it. Because if you're not sure about it, you're not sure about your salvation. Because your salvation depends on knowing through what God has done, through His Son, Jesus Christ, that the Son of the living God has come in this flesh right here. And He has lived a perfect life. He was nailed to the cross of Calvary. His blood was shed, and every drop of that blood was necessary to save us. And that blood being presented by the Son to the Father uh, for the reconciliation of the sins of mankind is now given that you and I might be be saved. And it is only accomplished through the body of his flesh, the flesh of Jesus Christ through death. He died on the cross. And you see, this is what Paul was dealing with. Some of these Gnostic people were saying, no, Jesus didn't really die on the cross. Yeah, get that. That's what they were saying. Jesus didn't really die on the cross. Well, the spirit of Jesus was in the body of Jesus. But before the body of Jesus died on the cross, the actual spirit left. So 
Jesus didn't really die. The Son of God didn't really die. That's what the Gnostics were teaching. Did you know that's what people are teaching that junk still today? That's part of some of this New Age stuff. Did you know New Age is creeping into our churches? Yes, it is. And you see, this is one of the things that that they taught and still teach. That the, the Son of God didn't really die. He left the body of Jesus before actual death. He didn't suffer death. Don't you believe that for a minute? Don't you believe that for a minute? The Son of God came in the flesh, in the body of his flesh, through death. Because you see, it was through death that he was able to, as we see later, descend and empty out all that had come before him, all these folks in the Old Testament that were believers, you see, that trips up a lot. How, how do people in the Old Testament, how, how were they saved? Well, think about this, because this is very simple once you stop and think about it. If I can figure it out, hey, it's simple, all right? I'm just going to tell you that. How, how, how are we saved? Did we live when Jesus lived? Did we walk with Jesus? No, we didn't, did we? We believe what? In what he did. We look back and say, I believe in what the Son of God did for me. Right? Well, the people in the Old Testament did the same thing. Remember all those prophecies? Remember all that? The, the Messiah is coming? The, the, like with the, the verse we read in Sunday school this morning? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. They believed in what, what? He was going to do. You see, they were looking ahead. We looked behind. They were looking ahead. But we're both looking at what? <coughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. woo Yeah. That's how they were saved. That's how they were saved. The same way we got saved. We believed in Jesus Christ. We believed in the Messiah. And you see, this is what Paul is telling the church. Don't you let that foolishness in over there. Don't you do it. In the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Get that now. Is there a one of us? Is there a one of us that could stand up today and say, I am holy, I am unblameable, and I am unreprovable? You see, I would... Somebody would have to pull me up by the nap of the neck. Because as far as all those three things go, I ain't even close. I ain't even close. Never have been, never will be. And you see, that's what Paul's talking about. Well, it's a good thing it's not up to you, ain't it? You got that right. You got that right. Because when I stand before God, it will not be... Me, my righteousness that he's looking at. But what did we see? What has Christ done for me? He has reconciled me to the Father. That blood, just like in Exodus, you remember what God told Moses, take the blood, apply it to the lintel and the post of the door. 
And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. <laughs> yeah. I won't even go in and look and see what kind of filthiness is inside. I'll pass over you. That's what, when he sees my life, what we, what's he going to see? He's going to see the blood. The blood. That same blood that people are like, oh, no, no. No, that blood's what's going to save you. That's what Scripture says. Unreprovable in his sight. He's holy. And yet we can stand there holy, unblameable, and unreprovable. Get this. Paul closes with this. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, Whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. I get this. There's several things in here. There's several things. Just want to touch very quickly on a couple of them. If you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. You see, there are people who allegedly, who supposedly put their hands to the gospel plow and begin plowing. But we know from scripture what? That he who looks back is not worthy of the kingdom. If you're plowing and you begin, you're not worthy because you're going to get off the road. Paul is saying the same thing here. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and what? Be not moved away. Guess what? If I can move you away from your faith, guess where your faith is at? It's not in Jesus Christ. It's not in Jesus Christ. If I can move you away from your faith, it's not in Jesus Christ. If I can take your faith from you by something I do, you are not grounded and settled in your faith. You might be grounded and settled in something a man has done or said, but it's not the faith that Paul's talking about here. You see what we're saying? This is, this is, a, this is a, a, hard, a hard saying for some folks. This is a hard idea because some people will say, well, you can lose your salvation. No, no, no. That's not what Paul is saying. And you see, that's not what this concept is. Once someone is saved, once someone is grounded and settled in the faith, they cannot be moved away from it. They cannot be moved away from it. Once you understand what Jesus Christ has done for you, once you believe in He that has saved you, you will not be moved away from that. Once you realize what it is that he has done for you, Paul says that if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from what? The hope of the gospel. All of us at this point are hoping. Our hope is in the gospel. The good news that Jesus Christ has come to save. 
or Paul talks about later, why do you hope for that which you have seen? If we've seen something, we don't hope for it because we know it's there. But you see, the world tells us today what? Y'all are a bunch of fools. Going around saying you believe in heaven, you know, all like that, such as that. Going around saying you believe in God. Oh, we don't need God. We don't need heaven. Uh, we're just, you know, we're just, uh, we've just appeared and, you know, that we are what we are. And we don't need all this religion stuff. Satan's got them fooled. Satan has absolutely got them fooled. And I won't even get into that because I'll get off down another road if I start that. But you see the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ, what does Paul say? Which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. You see, this is another concept. This is another uh, ideal that a lot of people uh, have trouble with. What about those people who've never heard? There are no such thing. Okay? There is no such thing as nobody who has never heard. Now we say, well, there's, you know, tribes out in the jungles that have never heard the gospel preached. No, there are tribes out in the jungle that have never heard what we've heard preached before. Okay? Because we understand that through Scripture, what Paul tells us, what Peter tells us, is that by the very creation of God, he can hold mankind accountable for understanding who he is. There's no such thing as someone, no creature who has not heard. However, Christ does that. You see, that's what Paul says, uh, by the uh, uh, witness of my gospel. Nevertheless, it will be he who judges. It will be Christ who judges. You see, we're not called to judge. But Paul says that that which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. So you see, church, you see what we are called to be? what we are called to do, where our strength is, how are we a spiritually strong congregation? How do we grow stronger as a church? How do we go stronger as a body? As always, it is through Jesus Christ. Anything we ever accomplish will be through Jesus Christ. It will not be through the... Uh, uh, melodic and, and uh, wisdom-filled words of your pastor? No, no, no. <laughs> Not even close. It won't be through anything that any man, woman does. It won't be through anything that's accomplished with these hands or done with these hands. No, it will always be because Jesus Christ is the head of this body. And if we do anything... It will be through him. Church, as we go into this season of the year, as we are in the midst of it, and, and so many people, uh, you know, get this, this feeling, this, you know, this, this, uh, this warm feeling, you know, that's like, you know, oh, this, and don't get me wrong now, it's a lovely time of the year. That's not what I'm saying. 
But listen, if we don't have that love for one another, if we don't have that love for mankind, if we don't have that uh, love of God in us 365 days a year, listen, we need to check up. We need to check up because there's a lost and a dying world out there each and every day. We, we run into them. We talk to them. We're around them. We see them. And everything that we do, where work, at school, uh, uh, wherever we're at, we are around these lost people. These people who do not know this faith. Who are not grounded like you and I are. Who do not have the blood applied. And you see, that's what Christ called us to do when he left, didn't he? Go. Preach, teach, make disciples. Get that? Make disciples. In other words, we teach people how to follow the teachings of Christ. That's all. That's all. That's all. That's what we do. We teach others to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ. And by doing that, we make them a disciple of him. And when somebody gets that, when somebody gets that, Jesus has them in his hand. No one will ever take them away. And you see, that's the gift that you and I can give to the world. That's the gift. People today, all over this world, are struggling, jockeying for a position, trying to, to one-up other. Individuals, neighbors try to one-up one another. States try to one-up one another. Nations try to one-up one another. Try to get the upper hand, the, the uh, place of position, the place of authority. Everybody's trying to get the best of everybody else. And the whole time, we know. What that verse say? For unto us a child is born, unto us the son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders. You know what day is coming? Do you know what day is coming? You see, every single government that exists today on the face of this earth is illegitimate. Now, I may be in jail tomorrow for saying that once this gets out on the internet, uh, but uh, you can come and visit me if you want to. But, that's the truth. Every single government on the face of this earth is illegitimate. But there's coming. The king is going to return. And when he does, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of the king. And of his kingdom, there shall be no end. That's who we serve. That's the king. That's the gift we can give to the world. To let them know there is hope where it appears hopeless. There is a friend for the lonely. There is love where there is hate. Because we know the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Brother Mayo, come with a verse of a song. And while we all stand today, let this be our invitation. If Holy Spirit is dealing with your heart and your life, if he is 
dealing with you in one way or another. You know what I'm talking about. You know what it is he wants you to do. You know that he's calling you to salvation through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That he wants you to believe in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let's take care of that today. Let's take care of that today. You come down here. You talk with me. We can pray. We can talk. You have to believe. You have to be the one to believe. But if there's something you want to meet with the Lord about, these altars are open here. But whatever it is today that Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart and your life about, let's take care of that before this day is over with.